Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Super happy to have everybody in the room and online. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about hope this morning. And uh, this is going to be sort of just a standalone, one-off message, not really in a series. I think next week I'm going to start a new series on the story of God. Probably going to take about six weeks, and we're going to look at like the meta-narrative of the Bible. Like, what is the story of the Bible? But we're going to do that next week, okay? Uh, What I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about hope. And the title of this morning's message is Hanging On to Hope. And it's really... Just a little riff I'm going to do on Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And in fact, why don't we just put that up, Reese? Can you help me out? Help a brother out. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. He says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's today's scripture, and uh, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about having hope, how to get it, where it comes from. But the reason I want to talk about hope, and I guess I need to set that up first, the reason I want to talk about hope is because, well, as no surprise probably to anyone in the room, it feels pretty bleak. (laughs) Like we're in this moment that feels pretty bleak. Uh, The pandemic is hanging on. Won't talk about that anymore. Uh, Political division is at an all-time high. Uh, Is that a news flash to anyone? Political division at an all-time high. And and the worst part, if you were here last Sunday, without me going back into it, but the worst part is a lot of it includes Christians acting very unchristlike. That's actually the worst part, you know? So there's political division. We have a pandemic that is still hanging on. And then, and then, you know, you add on top of that, like schools went back on virtual schedules. Uh, how many of you all received the one call last Sunday night and you just felt like your guts go to the floor? You know, uh, we were at a little small family dinner kind of thing and all of our phones just kind of like ping, ping, ping. And everybody was like, well, what is that? What is that? You know, and then you see the number and then you're like, oh, I know what this is. And then you listen to the message and you just feel the room go boom. You know, and by the way, I just want everybody to know that's not some kind of like sly pastor shot at school administrators either. Like it's literally an impossible job. Like like anyone who's a leader right now, I just want you to know, like uh, as a church, anyone who's leading anything for the last year has just been losing because it doesn't matter what decision you make. You just you're losing. So like we should pray for school administrators. Uh, We should pray for governors. We should pray for pastors, city uh, administrators, mayors. Anybody who's had to lead or make any decision, it's just losing all year long. So there we are, right? But it doesn't change the fact that like that call went out and everybody was like, dang, really? And here's the other part. Uh, We felt it even in my family, we felt it fairly like fairly deep like a lot of people did. But here's here's the thing. Like our family, and not just my immediate family, but maybe my extended family, we, we felt that, that virtual schedule deep, but we're actually fairly equipped to handle it. 
The thing I've been thinking about all week is all the, all the parents who couldn't. You know, like two parents who have to go to work. Now what? You know, it's really hard. Really, really hard. A little bit disheartening. Uh, not only that, but uh, several people that I know have gotten COVID this past week. That stinks. Like, like it's starting to get in close now, right? Like if you haven't had it, you know somebody who has. It's coming in closer. And then stack on top of that, somebody here in our local fellowship got a really tough diagnosis this week that isn't COVID related. But like, you know, that sucks. You know, it's like one of us, you know, gets a call from the doctor that's really, really difficult. You put all that together, it just, it feels a little bleak, feels a little bleak. And then one of the other things that I've noticed, just as I've been, you know, doing my pastor thing, I've also noticed that lately, and by that I mean in the last four or five months, one of the most consistent texts that I've received from people at the church is literally this exact text. Hey, Pastor Adam, are you finding it hard to do your work <laughs> lately? And they're not asking about me necessarily. They're, they're, what they're asking is, are, are you also finding it difficult to be motivated to do anything? How many of you have experienced that in the last four or five months? Like, I have no motivation to do anything. Yeah, what is that? Well, it's just, it's like, it's the, it's the cumulative emotional and spiritual slog that we're in, you know? And I've been getting texts over and over from people going, man, I just have no energy to do my job or to care <laughs> or, you know? And I just want you to know, for all the people who have texted me and for all the people who maybe have felt that way but didn't text me, uh, you're not alone. You're not alone. And so... I was just reviewing that this week, and I was thinking, man, you know what we need? We need, we need some hope. I want to read you one quote from G.K. Chesterton. If we can put that up, Mr. Reese, tag team. Here's what, here's what Chesterton says about hope. He says, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, Hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is, only, it is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. You know, it's like, 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 when do you need it? You need it right now. Like, when it's really hard, you need it right now. And that's the, that's the wonderful thing about hope. It shows up when we most need it. And that's the essence of Christian hope. The essence of Christian hope. I want to read you one more quote this morning. Uh, and it's, it's a quote from Ray Hollenbach's book called Deeper Hope. You guys know Ray Hollenbach? Pastor Ray, the, the, the pastor who was, was and is my pastor. This is from his book about hope. I just wanted to read this because I thought it sort of frames this in a really wonderful way for us. Ray says this, hope, it's a Christian virtue that on the surface seems so pleasant and comfortable. It's more like an Olympic gymnast dressed in glittering spandex and bows and all made up with too much eyeshadow and just when we're tempted to dismiss the glam as a lightweight harmless occupation hope steps onto the competitive floor and shows us the possibilities the possibilities of life leaping twisting somersaulting defying gravity the challenge of this athletic gymnast wait bro I Reese, work with me. The challenge of this athletic gymnastic hope is that it demonstrates 
the potential of a life lived to the full. We can all defy gravity if we dare to hope and learn to hope how to master our bodies and our minds. I think this is a great, this is a, a really a great metaphor from, from Pastor Ray about what hope is. Hope looks like this, this simple little thing, doesn't it? It looks like this like nice little pet, this nice little fruit of the spirit. But when, when you investigate it a little bit more or when you get around somebody who has hope, what you realize is this tiny little gymnast can do things that no one else can do, right? Uh, like these, these little gymnastic girls do not mess with them, right? Yeah. I thought that was a great way to sort of frame it. Well, here, here's what I want to do this morning from the scripture that I read at the beginning. Reese, can we just put that back up? I just want to read it one more time, and then I want to riff on it in four different ways. Paul says this, I pray that, the God, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. First thing I want to say about hope this morning is that God is the source. God is the source. And Reese, why don't we just leave that scripture up for a little bit? Because I want people to see this. God is the source of hope. That's what Paul prays. If we, if we want to lean into hope, if we want to reconnect with hope, it's actually fairly simple. It means reconnecting and leaning into God. That's how you get access to hope. You get access to, to hope by accessing God. Uh, and the other thing that this means as well is this. Hope is not merely a possession of the soul, it's a person we know. If God is the source of hope, then hope is not simply something we have in our hearts, but hope is a person that I know. Like, hope is Jesus. And like, if you want to get reconnected to hope, it's time to get reconnected at a deeper level to the person of Jesus. Hope is a person. So this morning, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling bleak or hopeless, if you're feeling weary, all of that means it's time to reconnect with God. It's a barometer. And here's why. Because God is not tired. God is not heavy. In fact, God is light and he is filled with hope. My father, my father used to say, uh, if you want to drink a water, what? Go to the head of the fountain. Anybody ever heard that? Shout out, Dad. My dad used to say, if you want to drink of water, go to the head of the fountain. And usually when he would tell me this, what he what we were usually talking about is like dealing with your boss or work stuff, right? If you want to raise, who do you go talk to? Don't, don't just go talk to your boss. Go talk to the owner of the company, you know? You want, you want a drink of water? Go to the fountain's source. Uh, you want to fix problems? Uh, don't go just like to the next person next to you. Go to the source, whatever it is, right? And I was just thinking about that this week, even as it relates to hope, since Paul says that God is the source of hope, if you want some hope, go to the fountain and not just to the stream. Paul's saying something very, very similar. If we want hope, let's not merely go to the stream, but let's go to the headwaters. Uh, and here's why that's important. Uh, going to the headwaters means two things. At the headwaters, there's two things. Number one, there's more, right? Think of a stream. Think of, think of like... Think of like a stream that maybe comes out of the ground, you know, and then it runs and it becomes this little creek. How many of you know that at the source, there's more water than there is further down the creek? Yeah. Why do we go to the source? Why do we go to the source who is God? Because in God, there's actually more. There's actually more. But how many of you know this as well? At the source, it's pure. The further it goes down the stream, you know, the raccoons, the raccoons pee in it. 
you get, you get Giardia in your liver. And then you become those people on, what is it, Life Below Zero? Anybody ever watch that? Alone? You guys seen Alone? The guy ate the muskrat and nearly died? My kids and I, we were loving that. <laughs> this is why you go to the source. This is why when you want hope, you go straight to God and, and you cut every other, every other tributary out of the picture because I want to go to where there's the most and I want to go to where the hope is most concentrated and pure. Here's what that means for us. It means this. Don't simply come to church. I mean, hey, come to church. But if you want hope, don't just come to church. Uh, and here's the, here's the other thing it means. Don't simply just listen to Christian media. Don't just listen to a Christian podcast. You want hope? Okay, listen to a Christian podcast. That's great. Don't just do that, though. Those are all just little tributaries adjacent to the headwaters. What do you do if you want hope? Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. Look, that's, that's a profound word at church, isn't it? Go to the Bible, and, and, and don't, just, don't just go to songs that, that lift your heart up, but actually go to worship. When you go to the Bible or you go to worship, go to meet the God of the Bible. Here's something I want to tell you. The Bible is not God. You can read the Bible your whole life and never meet the God of the Bible. Like, go to the Bible. If you want some hope, go to the Bible, but set your heart on, on meeting the God of the Bible. He's there. He's there. He's alive. Like, like the, the word says that the, that the scriptures are living and there's a, there's a person who inhabits this and is around it. Like go, go to meet the God of the Bible. When you, when you come to church, like uh, to worship and Hannah and Glenn are leading us, like let's don't just sing the songs. Let's, let's, let's meet with the God of the song, you know? Let's don't just like hide behind our mask, but like let's, let's meet the person who's inhabiting this room and the person to whom the words are directed. Let's go to the headwaters. There's strength in his presence. If you meet the God of the Bible, you'll meet a God of hope. There's strength in his presence. There's vision and energy and vitality, and there's a possibility of change. Here's one of the things I've noticed, though, in my own life. There's a temptation when things get difficult, and the temptation during difficult seasons is to pull away from God. Has anybody else ever noticed that? That when things get a little bit difficult, the temptation is often, rather than to run to God, the temptation is often to pull away from God. When I'm hopeless, oftentimes I feel this pull away from God. Uh, here's what I oftentimes do. I feel the pull to do something else, uh, to fill my life up with distraction, dead eyes on a million YouTube videos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like I get really, I get, I get in this hopeless place or a dark place and I just want to doom scroll. Just to like distract myself from it, you know? And that feels fairly benign, but man, accumulated over your life and you look up and you realize, oh my goodness, I just wasted a whole year of my life doom scrolling or watching YouTube videos. The other thing I've noticed about my own life when I get hopeless is I, I feel the pull away from God. And sometimes, in addition to just like distraction, sometimes what ends up happening is I feel the pull towards substances or like alcohol abuse. Here's something I just want to tell everybody in the room when you get hopeless. Uh, this happens, to, this is so you, almost universal. Uh, there's a reason that depressed people often turn to drugs and alcohol. And there's a reason it's called substance abuse. It's looking for substance to fill the absence. 
That's 100% what it is. Like everyone who's an alcoholic, everyone who's an addict in any dimension, alcohol, drugs, whatever, like any dimension of addiction, every single time it's someone choosing, someone choosing um, an inappropriate answer for a real question. You know, like uh, everybody who's got that kind of thing going on in their life, it, it's not that they're a bad person. It's that there's some trauma that is looking for an answer and they just found one that's actually not going to work. It's, it's going to subtract even more. Yeah, it's called substance abuse because it's, it's, it's our own hearts uh, reaching out for substance to fill the absence. It's happened to me, goodness gracious. This is a season as a body to become aware of all of our disappointments and take them straight to God. You know, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Like, what has is, what is wounded you this year? Or what has hurt you or disappointed you? Name it. Take it to God. If you want hope, you have to go to the source. You know, got to go to God. The second thing I want to say to you about hope this morning is that there are fruits that grow together. Look at the first line of what Paul says. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, that'd be a fruit of the Spirit, will fill you completely with what? Joy and peace. Look at there. Right there, collect, right there so close together, we have this little collections of fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Y'all remember? Gentleness. Yeah, that gentleness one. That's a weird one, isn't it? Look at what he says. He says that there are these other fruits. There are these fruits that grow together. And actually, this is this is. Pretty important. To receive the God of hope is to simultaneously make room for joy and peace. And this is important for a couple reasons. Because what it means is that the fruits of the Spirit add to our lives. They don't subtract. And what I mean by that, or to put it another way, is we don't get hope by upping our denial or trying harder. You know, some of us might go, man, I feel really hopeless or I feel really bleak. And I know what I need is I need, I need some hope. I need some vitality. I need some vision for my life. And what Paul is, is silently pointing to us here is that you don't get more hope by just trying harder, you know, or by playing the denial game. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Uh, Reese, I think I have a meme. Everything is fine. No, I like the fire. It keeps my coffee warm. You know? Anybody done that? No. What I love about what Paul says here in the scripture, and you can put it back up, is that fruits of the Spirit tend to come together. And so if we, if we lay hold of God, if we get more hope in our lives, you don't just get more hope, but you end up getting more peace. You end up getting more joy. You end up getting more kindness, more, more, more openness, things that look and smell and have the substance of Jesus, like we were talking about last week. How many of you know if you, if you lay into trying to lay hold of hope and you only do it by the means of, say, denial or trying harder, a, a, along with it, what you'll get is a false hope, and underneath it, you'll have this dust layer of like frustration, and then frustration leads to anger, and you might be telling people, oh, I have vision for my life, but what's underneath is like this, this cauldron of frustration and anger, and all of a sudden, you have these fruits that look and smell nothing like the Spirit. Does this make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, this is why uh, the way that we approach these things matters. This is why, like, how do we know that we're actually growing in any of this? Well, uh, if we don't see hope, look around and see if, is there any other fruit? Like, like who we are really matters. Like, what's happening really, really matters. So go to the source. Number two, there's probably going to be another crop grow up with it, not just hope. And then number three, the third thing I want to say this morning has to do with overflow. Paul says, then you will overflow. If you'll just trust with God, if you'll go to the source, if you'll go to the source of hope, then you'll overflow with confident hope. Overflow. Paul prays that the church would overflow. Uh, not just get enough. Not just get by. Uh, not measured on a scale for accuracy. Instead, Paul says that the church will overflow one sign of the presence of God is always more than enough. Like, more than enough is always what God is into. God is almost always doing this thing called more than enough. Y'all remember the scriptures? When Jesus made the wine in Cana, how much did he make? 180 gallons of wine for people who had already had too much to drink. More than enough. I've done the calculations on that number several times. 180 gallons is like 1,500 bottles. For people who had already drank all the other wine, what kind of shape were they in? And then Jesus comes and makes 1,500 bottles of wine. On another occasion, giant crowd is out listening to Jesus, and finally someone says, hey, Jesus, we should turn these people loose and tell them to go home. They're hungry. We're out here in the woods. And Jesus is like, well, what do you got? And they were like, well, we don't have much. We've got a couple loaves of bread and a handful of fish. And Jesus says, well, why don't you give that to me? And Jesus prays and he breaks the bread and he starts handing it out. He tells the disciples, why don't you guys hand it out? And it says that 5,000 men, which wouldn't have counted the women or children. So let's say 20,000 people, everybody eats. And then in the Gospel of Luke, it says that afterwards, there were 12 basketfuls left over. Uh, one for every what? disciple. Every disciple who said, we don't know what to do, had to carry home a basket of Jesus knew what to do, you know? <laughs> like, but this is, this is so consistent in, in the Bible. Like, God is always never, he is never doing just enough. God is not the, the scrape by guy, you know? God is the 180 gallons of wine, the 12 basketfuls left over. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, 120 are in the upper room, and where do they end up? Out in the streets. Like, all of a sudden, it's this, it's this picture of overflow. God is always doing overflow. And when you Connect to the source. If you and I will connect to the source, you won't get just enough hope to get through the pandemic, but you'll get more than enough. More than enough. And here's, here's what more than enough means for Christians. More than enough means it's an invitation to share. Like God wants to give you hope, and he wants to give you overflowing hope, not so that you can hoard it, but so that we can share it. How many of you know you have neighbors right now who are uh, in a really tough space? Like, in, no matter how, how tough your life might be, there's probably somebody very close to you who's in a tougher spot. God would like to release hope here this morning with this church so that we could have the hope we need, 
but he'd really like to give you overflowing hope so that you could take it like bread and fish and share it to your neighbors. How many of you know you have coworkers right now who are struggling, struggling? And, and the answer isn't just for God to, to show up in their room. Maybe the answer is for God to give you overflowing hope and take it to your coworkers. Uh, how many of you know that you probably have a grandma or a granddad or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin? We're in Kentucky. You have cousins. Probably have a lot. Some of you, some of you are Tennessee people as well. You definitely have cousins. Hey, hey. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. But, but how many of you know that there are people in our family right now who, who need, need for you and I to have overflowing hope so that we could have something to share? Like this is always the gospel word. Whatever, whatever God gives you, he intends for you to share it. It's, it's like manna in the Old Testament. Y'all remember that? Like the manna would appear every day, right? And one of the things that God told them was, don't put it in a jar don't store it because it'll just turn, it'll, it'll rot. Uh, in fact, get what you need, make it, share it, do whatever you want. There'll be, there, there'll be more tomorrow, right? Like God wants us to share. There, this, is, this is the Christian life, to receive from God and then to just to give it away, to give it away. Okay, how might we share it this morning if a little something overflowing came to us? It might be as simple as like text your family member. It, it might be that tomorrow when you go to work, uh, rather than talking to your boss about like problems first thing, it might be that you go to your boss and go, hey, how are you doing? No, really, cut the crap. How are you doing? Like, like keep your mask on. I'm going to pray for you. Let's shut the office door for a second. You know, uh, can I tell you something? Everybody in the room probably has a boss. Your boss would love it if you just showed up and you were like a problem solver and a carrier of hope tomorrow. You know, or what about the new person where you work? Like the one that's driving everybody crazy because he doesn't know anything, you know? Like maybe, maybe that person needs like the abundant hope of Jesus, you know? And we don't have to be preachy. We can just have like a buoyant spirit of hope. Like it, it doesn't mean coming in and like preaching at people. Man, who wants that? <laughs> Says the man preaching. I don't think he knows what he's doing. Here's what I want to say about overflow. The stream is deeper than we think. The stream of God's hope and love is deeper than we think. The stream of his love is deeper than we imagined. And the last thing I want to say about this scripture this morning as we begin to wrap up is I want to say that this is a Holy Spirit of work. This is not in my strength. Look at what Paul says there at the end. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through your power. No, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, like you, you don't get hope by trying harder. You don't get hope by playing denial games. Uh, you don't get hope by going, I'm, going to, I'm just going to claim the opposite, you know? You get hope by going... <laughs> By going to God, by simply going to God and, and making some space in your heart for the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that only He can do. Like, like growing in the fruits of the Spirit, like, like even, when, even, when it, even when it comes by our going to, like all of our going to God, going to God, being a worshiper, having some kind of life in the Bible, uh, having Christian fellowship and friends and people who encourage you, all of that, even when that feels like you did it. Or even when it feels like, 
I did it. It was never you. It was never me. It was simply just us making a little room for God to work. Like, like the, the point of prayer or reading the Bible or having Christian friends or any of this stuff, the only point to any of it, anything that we might call a spiritual discipline, the only point to any of it is to make a little bit of room for God so that he can do the things that he wants to do. Like having hope is a Holy Spirit work. We don't get to overflow by our own strength. We don't get to make it happen. It's not our doing. It's a work of the Spirit. And only God can keep us afloat in deep waters. Listen, when you're in the deep waters of weariness, when you're in the deep waters of like, like plague year stuff, uh, eventually you're going to get tired. Eventually you're going to get tired and only God can keep us afloat. I want to share one more scripture with you this morning. It's out of the book of Isaiah. This is what he says. He says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of all the earth, and he never grows weak or weary. Man, come on. Tell me you don't feel better knowing that. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. It's the Lord. Having hope isn't your job. It's his job to give if we will but come to him. You can't make it happen. We can only receive it. He does not grow weary. And in a plague year where you get in the deep waters of weariness, eventually you get tired. Maybe you get tired of doggy paddling and you think you're going to sink to the bottom. Listen, cry out to God. He's the one who can pick you up. He never, ever gets tired. What's the message this morning? Sink into the arms of Jesus. In a moment of darkness, run to the light. In a moment of disappointment, run into his arms. If you're sick, cry out to God and let him do the work. Let him do the work. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.